Welcome to Siempre Positivo on Tuesday, not Monday, November the 15th. No pressing need to get this one out on Monday because there was no football at the weekend. Well, there was football, but there was no Barcelona game. Spain ending before the World Cup with a round of Copa del Rey fixtures, Barcelona and the other teams in the Spanish Supercopa not entering the Cup until the next round. I'm Sam Marsden and joining me here at Casa Tony are Rick Sharma and Tony Juan Marti. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Bayor Amhain Le Doithoil. What does that mean? That means a beer, please, in Irish, which is useful for Tony to know because he's going to Ireland tonight. Well, we've got a few Irish listeners and Patreons, so we'll, um, yeah, we'll be canvassing for your opinions, please, on Rick's pronunciation of that <laughs> if, you, if you do speak Felt, Irish. No? Tony, how are you? Good afternoon. Celta, no? It's a Celtic language, no? Irish? Officially, Irish doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, probably it's, not. It's Celtic, Celtic, no? Yeah. Celtic? Let's see, yes, uh, going to Ireland uh, this uh, Tuesday at night, uh, looking forward to, to be offline a couple of days until Sunday, we will do a tour with uh, with uh, one of my friends, uh, we met in Ireland, in Dublin, like 14 years ago, and uh, no, more, we were 14, now I'm 32, so 18 years ago. So yes, uh, delighted because uh, I love cliffs and British culture. To to have some darts, Irish drinking, drinking. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish. <laughs> is going to Northern Ireland. Uh, as well. No, yeah. yes, but British culture is the same than Irish culture. A big part. Patrons are going to leave the Irish no, patrons. But, <laughs> no, but big part is the same. And when I say this, I mean, for example, the culture of going to the pub. Drinking some beer, some darts, pool. This is British culture because you find it in in, Brit- in UK. It's cold weather culture. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, yeah. Weather culture. And then uh, quite happy for this, but not happy because of the fact that I know I'm not going to find good restaurants because <laughs> the food there boh, is a disaster. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tony going from Dublin up to Northern Ireland to Belfast, then back down through Kilkenny, Galway. Uh, Belfast, Ballycastle, then uh, to the north left to uh, Londonderry, then to Donegal, and then uh, Moher Cliffs down in Galway, and then Kilkenny, and last night to Dublin, a bit of party in Temple Bar and all this. All That's this why you had your Guinness on the weekend with Sam watching the Burnley game. Get some practice in. Get some. Get some Cling, <laughs> Burnley's, Burnley's uh, marketing done on the first Done by me today. Yeah. What have I done? I'm going to mention it. Well, while Tony's in Ireland, Barcelona will not be doing very much. 16 of their players are going to the World Cup. I haven't done the math. Maybe Rick has. Is there a club with more representatives at the World Cup than Barcelona? Don't think so. Yeah, but before going deeper, at least quickly, we should say happy birthday to Sam. Uh, it was Sam's birthday on, on yesterday, Monday. Yeah. And he had top present. 3-0 against Blackburn. Why are you bringing up? Stop this. <laughs> both bringing up all the burnies, but yeah. It was, no, great, it was the, the, great, top, top. the perfect pre-birthday present on, on Sunday, and I was delighted that Tony came to watch it with me. I, I brought the, the James the Joyce luck, in Barcelona. How do you say? Uh, talisman. The luck of the Irish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is everybody, everything's linked. <laughs> yeah, so it's a perfect birthday. 3-0 derby win to take us top during the break, like Barcelona. Um, so yeah, 16 Barcelona players going to the World Cup. Barcelona pretty much going to be off for November then, Tony. There's just a few players left behind. Marcos Alonso, 
Hector Bellerin, Sergio Roberto, who's injured, Frank Kessier, who's injured, but Ivory Coast didn't qualify anyway. Um, and Javi will be in Qatar, back in Qatar, he taking a few games, or is it more of a, more of a holiday to visit people who he knows from his time there? I think that he will be he will be doing there uh, both things. A bit of relaxed uh, holiday when you feel that you don't need to be focused on making lineups. You can just watching games, but at the same time making some commercial acts because you know uh, he was an uh, important person in Qatar while he was uh, al Sadd coach. He will try to visit also some friends, old friends, and especially he will be of course. Uh, paying attention to the performance of their their players and even more than to the performance to the healthy to the wellness no mm. uh, the the players because uh, there are some that you can be i don't know if worried but you have to to be Appreh- apprehensive yeah yeah with uh, Araujo with uh, Ansu Kunde as well Kunde, with Dembélé who who has get uh, who has done one year without suffering an injury but for his muscular DNA, of course, he's always a danger. And the last bad one he had was at the Euros with France. So yes. it's, and we've seen before with the international breaks how players can get injured differently with international teams because maybe the training's different to what they're used to or the travel or the different pressure they have in yeah, international tournaments. We're reminding of that October international break, end of September, beginning of October international break. Um, we'll, we'll look a little bit more in depth at Barca's 16 players going to the World Cup and their hopes and chances of either progressing in the tournament or getting injured. Well, that's a little bit negative. Um, uh, this time, we're going to be a little bit more reflective in this episode on the season so far. But just before we come there, Barca's next game, Espanyol, December the 31st. So Barca will be, uh, Barca could be most affected by the World Cup. We've already touched on, you know, they've got 16 players going. It's difficult for them to organise anything in terms of December because they don't know. I mean, if Spain go far, they're going to be without seven players until right up until the sort of the 20th. When's the World Cup final? Is it the 19th of December? Yeah. Um, I think 18 yeah 18 then. Sunday 18 but, but the plan for Barca is to start back training in December isn't it? and then players gradually come back see what they can do see what they can organise I've seen them you know, the 5th of December there's yes. been talks about possibly a friendly against Arsenal in London or they're looking into different sorts of friendlies because I think they will need to have one before that Espanol game that Arsenal one seems a little bit difficult to me because the Premier League starts a little bit earlier and Arsenal are also part of a four-team tournament in, I think it's in Abu Dhabi, which is sort of around the 8th to the 16th of December, maybe. So we'll see. Pablo Torre, in the meantime, will, once he's finished with the under-21s, get some minutes with uh, the B team over the next month. But Tony, anything else to add on December? Any friendlies? Anything you've been hearing about what Barca are planning? Sí, uh, yes. Uh, I've been read. I don't know uh, who was. Yes, the, the mates from Rap U. They said that Barca and Arsenal are preparing a friendly to be played in Emirates Stadium. I don't remember exactly the 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 date. Uh, I would say like uh, it was the fifteenth of December or something like that. Because of course, I think Barca is also counting on the fact that many of their players will be out after the group stage or something like that. They will have some days of. Uh, of holiday, but then some of them they will be able again to to compete. So yes, they w- they will organize a couple of friendly games. Apart from this one against Arsenal, I'm not I've not been told exactly who against, but I'm sure that they will face uh, before restarting the competition uh, against Girona or Prat or Cornellà, quite close from the 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 Ciutat Esportiva, just to to train a bit because of course you cannot compete directly to face a, a derby on, the, on San Silvestre Day. 
Yeah, so no Barcelona games now for six weeks. I'm sure that's not going to stop the slew of rumours. Obviously, we'll be looking ahead to January in that time. We'll be reflecting on the Barcelona players in the World Cup. But for now, we're going to look back on Barcelona's season so far. The World Cup breaks with Barcelona top of La Liga. Uh, they've lost just one game, that Clasico to Real Madrid. But that contradicts a little bit or conflicts with their, their form in the Champions League once again. Where obviously, you know what happened. They'll be in the Europa League in the new year against Manchester United. Um, but let's look at some of the, the positive positive categories. And we will start, Rick, with who's been the player of the season for Barcelona so far? Is that an obvious pick? The the one obvious pick to me is Robert Lewandowski. Just the sheer volume of goals. The fact he's taken so little time to hit the ground running since coming. I know he had to deliver immediately. He's a signing that has to deliver this year and next year and that's it. And then you don't really expect him to have him in the club for too much longer than that. Although he does seem to be in, in pretty machine-like shapes. So maybe he's got another year in him beyond that. But I think even though we knew he's a world-class striker, uh, without being an official Ballon d'Or winner, someone who, who could have recently won the Ballon d'Or, were it not for COVID, he's still been better than expected. And I can only imagine we'll get better still when the team finds out how to connect with him better and, and feed him more. Because, you know, everything he touches turns to, turns to goals. Yeah. I want to find someone to sort of um, try and argue a point. And I guess you'd maybe look at possibly Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. I mean, the Champions League Barca have let in a lot of goals, but he has been important in La Liga. He's recovered some form. It's hard to argue that he's been better than Lewandowski. Some of the other players that come to mind that are having good seasons, probably not candidates for player of the season and probably more fitting for some of the categories we'll come on to in a minute. Guys like, you know, Alejandro Balde or, or someone like that. I don't think Pedri's perhaps quite hit the heights that he could do just yet. There have been good performances. Um, I don't think he's been better than Lewandowski this season. Um, Frank de Jong coming to the side late, done quite well, but again, nowhere near being the player of the season. I don't know. Tony, can we find anyone to compete with or better Lewandowski? No, no, no. I also go with with Robert Lewandowski, not only because his uh, amount of goals, but especially because he has appeared in concrete moments. No? For example, that goal against uh, Valencia, that, uh, as I said many times, for me, this has changed the faith of this project because if you haven't uh, won in Valencia after being out of Champions League, after the Clásico, more doubts and more doubts, so rising problems for Xavi. That goal was especially... Porter also he decided the game against Mallorca. I think it was Neil Wan with his goal. He scored two goals in five minutes against Inter the the day that you got you went out of the champions with with that draw. So for me, no doubt, yes, uh, Lewandowski, the, the the finisher of the season instead of the player of the season. Can we have the song, a rendition of of the song from Tony? Which song? Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski. <laughs> Even if this, I'm not happy praising that much Robert because... <laughs> no, no, yes. I mean, of course, yes, he has been uh, until now the player of the season. But you can feel the difference because sometimes maybe misunderstood what is having Robert because he's not a playmaker. He's not like Messi. He can decide a game. No. He did, but he's not. this is not his bread and butter. His, his main point is finisher. And when you don't give balls... No matter how good he is, because if you don't give balls to him, he's not going to be useful. So, yes, top signing, but of course, uh, still compared with others like Messi, it hurts the comparison. Eh? And the one big black mark on Lewandowski's record for Barcelona so far was Bayern away. Yeah. 
the, a huge exactly. game, exactly. maybe the biggest game of the season in terms of the ultimate impact it had because he, he misses two, three big chances yeah. in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Heather, uh, another one who was off the post. Over, and, uh, over yeah. Yeah. Is that a fair criticism? Obviously, 18 goals, but didn't score it into a way either. Obviously, again, the Bayern one, he did have chances, I guess, is the difference. Um, yeah, that, the Bayern one for me is the one that you can hold against as well, him. didn't score in the Classico. So, if you look at some of the Barca's more painful defeats or painful games, he didn't score. But again, like Tony says, that's because a lot of Lewandowski relies on, on service. He can't. But that's why I highlight the Bayern game, because he had great service yes, in the Bayern game, great chances. Definitely. Again, this next category could probably be Lewandowski. Tony, first for you, the signing of the season so far, Marcus Alonso. Um, you, oof, I don't know because when you go to signing of the season, you have to be aware also on the, the future, on the on the future and the the cost of the player. So here, I would rather pick Jules Kounde, mm-hmm. even if he has been injured. And he hasn't played that much uh, that he expected. But more, more so because he's been injured. Because when he was injured, yeah, so what exactly, happened? Exactly, yeah. exactly. This is like uh, crypto coins. No, that <laughs> even while holding, you can win money because uh, if uh, the value is making is, is well, not at the moment, but <laughs> well, not, not now. But I mean, sometimes you can get more value without playing if yeah. the team has defeats. That's what it happened with, with for example, with Andreas Christensen. The same, he got uh, uh, more value without playing because it was uh, a mess. What happened? So signing of the season, I, w- I would go with uh, with uh, with Kunde and Christensen with both because, mm-hmm. of course, the performance of Kunde is top, but you paid fifty million, and the performance of Christensen is also incredibly incredibly good, and you paid nothing. So both, both, yes. Rick, yeah, I'll go with Kunde. I think I'm not. I, I agree with Tony. Christensen has been good, but for me. I knew he would get injured is what happens with him. He gets injured, he gets injured. I don't know if he'll be in the team for long enough periods that ever in his career at Barca because of that. He never really was at Chelsea. Maybe sometimes he would have a longer spell and then he'd be out again. But Koundé, to me, what Barca paid for him is a big amount, but it's not, it wasn't obscene. It wasn't like excessive for the age he is, for the quality he has, for the fact that in, in five years they want to sell him. They'll be able to get more than they paid for him probably. No, and and also this is the same the same thing that uh, happened with Dani Alves, when, when Barcelona paid thirty six million for Dani Alves in two thousand eight. It was like wow, thirty six million. But at the end, if you make the the split of each season, it was I think the the cheapest <laughs> signing of Barcelona history for the performance he gave. With Kunde, if you if you have him in your squad like ten or twelve years, that it, it maybe not maybe twelve, no, but eight or nine you can have him it's going to be of course a totally good investment well no it's a cheap signing when you compare to the prices that have been played for paid for some central defenders or in Van Dijk England or, uh, you know, Delict Virgil van Dijk is obviously one that has worked out um, Delict didn't work out so much for, for Juventus Harry Maguire obviously the <laughs> hallmark of oh how not to spend big money on uh, I mean maybe, maybe we're a bit harsh and we had a, a couple of alright years with Manchester United didn't we and, and alright run with England at the World Cup and Euros and stuff but yeah, he's obviously at the moment very much the hallmark of who, how not to spend 80 million or whatever it was on the defender. So to get Kunde for what, 55 million with add-ons in the end, euros that is as well. So maybe sort of 50 million pounds is, it looks a good deal now, regardless of if in five years you're looking at him going, well, what a, what a steal that was. And they got him ahead of Chelsea and they got him for a salary that fits into the salary structure. And I'm happy also that Rick mentions Kunde as a best signing because Kunde was able to be registered on the last moment. Thanks 
of Aubameyang's departure. <laughs> so indirectamente, he's accepting that it was totally needed to sell Aubameyang, <laughs> a player who has scored three goals with Chelsea and only one goal in the last 10 games. And the amount of salary that you avoided, you saved, because he was now going to receive a lot of money this year, because last year he deferred to, to be registered. So top movement changing Aubameyang's salary for, for signing Kunde. Well, yeah, I mean, we've spoken about how the good work done by Ali Manji in the past to move on Coutinho and certain things and the Griezmann deal, which happened in the end. But Rick, this wasn't one of the categories, but while Tony's brought up Aubameyang, it is a good point to perhaps reflect on, on that deal because he's not been good for Chelsea. He's been dropped. There were a couple of games where he scored, but he seems to be out of favour at the moment. I've, I've, I've read some stuff, admittedly just on Twitter from some Chelsea accounts sort of saying that he's almost... Not, I don't think it was like down tools, but it's almost as if he's not that bothered. I think this was after the Arsenal game, so maybe there's a bit of pressure on him there playing against his former side. I didn't. I like quite liked Aubameyang coming to Chelsea, and it hasn't worked out brilliantly, certainly. But there's a big factor as well in the fact that Thomas Tuchel was sacked, and Chelsea are bad at the moment. The Chelsea yeah, but like Mateo, Tuchel Mateo wanted Mateo, him. Mateo Alemán knew it that Tuchel was going to be sacked. But I don't like. You said that he scored how many goals in the last ten? One. He's got three in the last. No, time. I've got of, him here. I said of last uh, ten games of Chelsea, not his games. If These are the last Chelsea. No, games. but doesn't show all his games if he didn't play. No, only the oh. plays. Uh, ten if he didn't play, well, how can he score? <laughs> but who is guilty for not being available? If you sign a striker, you want him to play. Yeah. Claro, and Mateo Alemán changed the contract now with the add-ons of Barca players. If you're injured, is your is your fault, and you are you you are going to how do you say resta? You lose money. You lose money in terms of well, reaching the, 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 yeah, for the bonus. Yeah, but well, he scored in both games against Milan to get through in the Champions League, which is a big games to score in. That, that was the hardest opponent. And scores against Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that we'll. I think we will still see a good Aubameyang when we come back when Potter has a bit more time to put things together. We'll see. Jury's out still. I think. Okay. Next category, um, probably a unanimous one. But I'm interested to talk about this player as well because I don't know. If we're overhyping him, but he's obviously had a very good. Well, you've not given your answers yet. This is my answer I'm talking about. But um, yeah, back to Rick for the young player of the season so far. It's the same one that you mentioned. Alejandro Balde has to be. I mean, like you said, he's up there for actual player of the season for Barca. So of course, young player of the season. He has been brilliant, and I think he's he's done well at right back when he's been when he's played there. Even though it's not his, his favorite position, and he seems to be even improving in that position as well. At left back, he's offered dynamism down the left. Yeah, maybe not quite the level of finesse going forward as uh, Jordi Alba, but certainly giving good attacking options down that side. And defensively, hasn't put a foot wrong. I think he's been been really really solid, and that that is the thing that that you can build on going forward it would be better better that than he did get a couple more assists but was like letting players in behind him and, and a crack in the defense on that side how solid he is at his age is is remarkable and i think that everyone and i know there's people in the simbrepod discord who've been advocating for balde over the the last couple of years have been asking for more chances. They've been vindicated by the fact that he's come in and done so well. Yeah, yeah. I've been surprised how well he's done. Tony, is he your young player of the season so far as well, Balde? Ah, yes. No, I think uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's a, it's a fit. I mean, he probably gets bonus points for the fact it's been a breakout season on top of that because obviously Pedri, Gavi, we kind of expect a certain <coughs> performance from them, from them now. But Balde's has been has that surprise element or the... Yeah, that, that breakout element. Yeah, I think it has to be Balde, yes. Because apart from young, is unexpected, as you say. 
Do you think we're going over, over, over the top a little bit? Do you think he's, you know, think this is he's here to stay now, or do you think it's a good spell and we still need to see it over the course of a season, two seasons? Um, I've seen a bit of debate about this, about perhaps some Barca fans or Barca journalists are overhyping him a little bit in terms of, you know, disappointment in him not going to the World Cup, for example, ahead of Gaia or Alba. Or... Yeah, it would make no sense to bring him to the World Cup. I said it before when we talked about it, I think. Luis Enrique hasn't used him before. Luis Enrique famously likes bringing players who he trusts and he's, he's seen operate. The only one that's in the World Cup squad that hasn't played hardly at all is Guillemon. He's played just three times for Spain, I think. And everyone else has played a bit more than, than that. And don't forget that uh, at the end, Balde needs to learn a lot defensively. He's still weak. And I think, yes, people is overpraising Balde. For me, one thing is saying, okay, you are showing good things. You you will have the, the, the trust, the time to, to, to improve. But if you take a look to some important games... He has not been that top, eh? but the, the, the point is that when you see making these runnings, when you see him making these runnings, being focused uh, on all these things, you, and you compare with some others, then you you you, you come out to be interesting option. But, I thought in the Classico, for example, he was one of the best players on the pitch for Barca. A ver, he was not a disaster, but he didn't bring you extra value. At the end, playing in Barca is not... He's not not making mistakes. He's making extra value. Mm. Yeah, otherwise, I can also be there. Because <laughs> so yes, I think eh, people is getting warmer with with all these things. And at the end, I think it's not easy and it's not good because it seems that Gabi top, Ansu top, Balde top, everybody's top. But then you face a European team and, they beat and, and and you got beaten. So yes, we should calm a bit the the the, the atmosphere around Balde. Yes. In answer to what Sam said, I always think the second season is the one you look at. First season, but can you go into the next season and not have it just be like that rush of enthusiasm and, and sort of grit you have? Do you have the the steel to keep going in the second season and, you know, after that third, fourth, fifth season? But the second season is, for me, quite crucial. Yeah, well, yeah, that's obviously, that is obviously to do with player development. The people and players, is not a new saying, as I always say, no, the hardest thing is to keep winning. And like you say, it's to burst on the scene without their expectation. The difficult thing then becomes the second and third season once you've built that level of of expectation. We'll move on to the next category now. I feel like I might have to explain this one to Tony. Unsung hero. Que coño es esto? I'll, go, I'll, I'll go first on this. I stole it from something else. I think it was on another podcast I saw. So it's kind of like, I guess it doesn't have to be the player. It could be a coach, could be a member of the coaching team, could be anyone around the club, I guess. You could say you, you might have insight into like, I don't know, some set piece coach that's been working wonders. But from... For me, it's just like a player who's perhaps been underrated or been performing steadily without any acclaim. Like Claude um, Makélélé at Real Madrid, someone uh, yeah. who does a great job and no one says it. I, w- I would perhaps go with, um, on this point, it's difficult, but maybe Eric Garcia. Um, he's been the one constant, not the one, he's obviously not started every game, but in terms of while other defenders have been injured, he's been the one constant in the back lane, back, back lane, back line. Um, and he's played reasonably well you know I think he's not had you know he takes a lot of criticism that's I remember mean, the pre-game one of the pre-game Champions League press conferences and I think there were like five or six questions to him like what do you think of all the criticism how do you deal with all the criticism um, I think he takes it quite well it'd be easy to sort of um, really struggle with that as we saw with Andre Gomez at the time who spoke about you know the, that criticism really getting to him to the point they couldn't leave his leave his house and whatnot and it really affected his performance I don't think it has affected Garcia maybe in five years he'll tell us that it has done but he's, he's taken it well and I think he's been yeah, solid, solid player for, for Barca in a position where they've needed someone to at least offer some stability this season. I'll, I'll tell you who else could have been up there as well. And Tony pointed this out actually at the start of the season, um, but injuries have just got in his way. Is Sergio Roberto, who's just starting to look okay at right back. And, you know, I think he had his best game when he got injured, or he was having the best spell at right back and then he got injured. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know if you've got anyone else, Rick, for, for yes. that award. <coughs> Tony no, does. I, I, would, I would go maybe with Jordi Alba because maybe, yes, of course, uh, saying hero is too much, but the fact that he has been very criticized and a lot of people try to, to put him together in the same box than Piquet and, and their moment is different. I mean, Jordi is, is, is obvious that he, he got um, too relaxed and then when you stop training with intensity, you, you pay it for, uh, for, 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 your, for your following years. But he still wants to be player of Barcelona, still is motivated to, to win trophies. So I wouldn't uh, link the situation of Jordi to the, to the one of Piquet. And I think that his situation was not easy and he has understood that he, to play, he needed to be reliable defending and he has shown it. And in fact, with Jordi Alba as a starter, you have no defeats this season. So I think we have seen a, 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 a how do you say, commitment version, una, una version comprometida. Yeah. Committed. Committed, com, commit, com, committed uh, version of Jordi Alba and also a different one because... You are not seeing that happy Alba appearing on the last third of the pitch, but more consistent and more uh, reliable defending. So this is like a new version, and I think that it worked it out. So uh, I think that we, we 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 have to see that Alba is still useful. Other things is if he's getting too much money, but to to combine with with uh, Marcos or with Balde, I think he's he's very useful because when you see that on the final third, he's the most able to do the right decision on the right moment, assisting Lewandowski. Don't forget that he was the top three assistant of La Liga last year, not of the team, of La Liga. Top three after Dembele and Benzema. So it seems like you are talking about Jordi Alba like, like uh, holy shit. No, no, no. Third uh, maximum assistant of uh, the last Liga. You have to take credit, you have to take profit of this. So, on the last weeks, I think, yes, I would go with, with Alba. Yeah, I, I think both those answers are reasonable. And I have, I have two more sort of reasonable names, I think. But none that really stand out for the, for the category. Pedri, I think in a way, I know he gets a lot of praise. But also, as Sam points out, yeah, he hasn't been at the top level like Lewandowski say. But actually, I feel like if Barca don't have Pedri, then things go wrong. And he yes. just quietly does does very well in midfield without without shining, without being the star name. He just puts in eight out of ten performances and 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 does well. And I think the other one is is even unsung sometimes by by Xavi is Rafinha. I think Rafinha has has added a lot, even though there are stories that the people at the club don't you know think he's done that well and he's been on the bench and stuff. I think his work rate's good. I think he's always looking to to do damage to teams, and he's come in with some crucial assists in the last few weeks. Yeah, we'll just move on to the last two categories. And I've not put, I mean, we could have sort of veered into the negativity of um, bad players, who's underperforming, who's not playing well. Um, but we're just going to keep one negative category. I'm actually going to flip them around because I was going to finish with this one, but it makes no sense to finish with a negative. <laughs> so we're, we've come to the worst moment of the season so far. I mean, there are probably only one or two, two, two candidates, but it probably has to be that second half against Inter. I mean, the build up to that game was incredible with the fans and, the welcoming of the bus and then the deflation of the second half having, you know, got to the got to the break with a lead and then the way they, they sort of shot themselves in the foot with the mistakes of of PK and, and whatnot, that was probably the worst moment. Because even though that didn't knock them out of the Champions League, even though they'd lost in Munich, they'd lost in Milan, that felt like the just a real deflating moment and it felt like a 
I don't know if it'll be seen as a step back over time to not progress in the Champions League, but it felt like a real sort of, you know, this team was built to go in the Champions League um, to the knockout stage. And, you know, it was a, a, that was a tough one to take. I don't know if there, it could be an off-the-pitch moment if PK's retirement was a, a tough one for you to take. Or I'd, I'm going to say something different, partly just for the sake of the pod to have a different thing. But also in that intergame, because the game was still live, because Lewandowski scored two goals late on, because there was all that... There wasn't time for that moment to sink in and feel like the worst moment of the season at the time. Yeah. It came sort of came afterwards that the realization that it was it was a terrible at result. Full time whistle or with it, with each inter goal as they restored their lead or but yeah. yeah. But so I'm, I'm going to say the classico because even though the game wasn't as important say as the inter game in the classico it was kind of the confirmation. Yeah. The confirmation that Barca were just going to be battered about by bigger teams. Yeah, but it's not important at all because on a 38-game uh, competition, it's yeah, important yeah, yeah. one game. And lastly, it has been proved that sometimes you can win El Clásico but losing La Liga. Barcelona has suffered it many times, winning La Liga but losing El Clásico. Yeah, but and, no, and I would say not, not for the impact on the competition, but more the impact on the feeling. As in the club are down, like kicking someone when they're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like a brutal end to a brutal week. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that was the Inter and Madrid the same week, wasn't it? it was yeah. tough, yeah. Worst moment of the season? For me, the worst moment of the season was 25 minutes after the game uh, in Camp Nou between Barca and Inter. I heard Barca's coach saying that the first half had been brilliant. <laughs> no, no, really. The, the worst moment for me of the season, of the season is true that Barcelona was winning 1-0. But 10 years ago, this first half would have been a mess compared with other things. And, and Xavi has always showed himself as a demanding person. Saying that the game was brilliant, it made me realize that you were out of the Champions League because you were not doing good uh, analysis of, of what was happening. Inter had two clear chances to score in the first half, apart fr- from other interesting counterattacks. And you scored on a... I still remember the game. I'd play with Sergio Roberto and Dembele. Mm-hmm. Strange goal. Brilliant, said Xavi. On the first half, we were brilliant. <laughs> I got killed. Worst. No, no, because it means more than only this, what I heard. No, no, yes. For me, it was the worst moment on the, of the season because it showed that they were still thinking that it was bad luck or whatever it was instead of being self-critical. You were out of the champions because of you, not because of nothing else. Even if you get dropped, you were roughed in, in, in Milano for both penalties. Yeah. Well, and, and then to, to flip it into positivity then, although, although the positive results both come from trying, what well, the, the two positive results that come to mind immediately for, for me, I'm answering for other people again, <laughs> um, come from trying performances or difficult circumstances. But Rick, the best, best moment of Barca's season so far as we approach this World Cup break? I think the win over Athletic Bilbao at Camp Nou for me, that was, it came at just the right time, a time where they'd beaten Villarreal, but it was kind of reaffirmed that they weren't, it wasn't just, you know, like an up and down team. It was a team that is still building to something. It was the best performance I think they put in all season. They absolutely dominated. Bilbao had had a good season under Valverde as well. Athletic, they've they've been very strong, and then so this was a, a good way to to reaffirm that Barca are still making progress. And I think if you look at the bigger picture, like you look at Arsenal in the Premier League, five points clear at the Premier League, and think about how much doubt there was around Mikel Arteta and the slow building of of that team. 
And it shows that you do have to give coaches time to, no, to, to no, do what they're, they're doing. Right. Now they're fighting for the league, yeah. Tony, your best best moment? The one that you mentioned a few times the last last week, maybe? No sé qué decirte, eh? Some doubts, because I don't see that... Uh, I, there has been, for me, the most important moment, that win, that late goal against Valencia, but not the best moment. So the most important, yes, but the best moment? Oof. I don't know what, what could I say, yeah, about the best moment. I see what you mean. In terms of my, my moments are probably the important moments, but they're the, 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 the comeback win against Osasuna just before the break and that late goal against Valencia, obviously two hugely important wins are the moments that, that strike me as being, like you say, important perhaps more than best and you want probably a better moment by the end of the season. <laughs> um, but they're the two two things that come to mind. Like Rick says, there have been a couple of performances when Barca were quite good. Obviously, had a spell against... Just before that athletic game, perhaps that Villarreal was sort of the, not as good as the athletic game, but good performance against the Villarreal side. They'd only conceded, I think, three goals all season before that game. When when the when does the the season starts officially? Because if it starts after June, my peak is the best moment has been the announcement of Kylian Mbappe staying at Paris Saint <laughs> No, really, for me. In, K, in talking about Barcelona, this has been the best moment. And with Benzema injured, imagine how different Madrid would have looked with Mbappe coming in alongside Vinicius. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, that's all we've got time for today. We'll be back later in the week with a look towards the World Cup. For Patreons, in the meantime, stay positive. Stay positive.